Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we'll be discussing what happens when we break into the industry and get that first big call. Recently, we had a listener, Jessica H., post on our Facebook group and she said, I'm new to the world of professional screenwriting and this podcast has been so much help. There's a ton of resources for getting a manager and getting recognized, but not so much once you've actually gotten there. So we wanted to explore this in greater depth uh, today on the show. So that's what we'll be doing. But before we jump in, let's get to our week or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. Meg, how was your week? My week was, um, I was still back East. So still doing family things and writing at the same time. And um, one project is pretty much moving uh, forward into a rough cut. And so it really is much more about little little things, you know, lines here or there. Oh, well, Band-Aid that for now kind of stuff. Um, so that's always, you know, fun. It's not my favorite thing to do. The other project um, hit a wall again. So I'm beating my head against a wall with my writing partner. Um, we, we're just trying to hit a bullseye here for the producers and the director about the arc and um, uh, her activeness, which I always talk about on this show. And yet here I am wrestling that snake myself. Uh, is, is the character active and is the arc super clear? And you know, it's a huge, big action movie. So there's tons of fun to be had, but until we have that super clear and what everybody, you know, is madly in love and what she's doing at the end of act two to make and climax to make her big choice and show the change, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what kind of questions do you ask yourself to get at that? Right. Is there like a trick? Well, or- the, the thing that I think is dangerous that I fall into all the time is it's so much fun to hang out in act one and who is she and really dig in there and where is she starting but I think I've really got to bite the bullet and just find a great act three and end of act two and then work backwards because act ones are easy. They're right? delicious. Like, delicious. We can talk forever about, you know, who her dad is and what happened to her and blah, blah, blah. I mean, not that there's not stuff to do there, but um, I think we've hung out a little bit too long over there and we need to just find this pivotal change and uh what do I do well clearly it's not working (laughs) yet you know there's it's not working yet not working yet they're being super nice about it and supportive and throwing out ideas and but you know you just have to go back it's go back go back go back so um yeah that's what I'm beating my head against the proverbial writing wall that's what I'm doing uh, with a partner. So that's not, it's, you know, it's super fun yeah. way, but yeah, that, that, and I'm going to do it more next week. Yay. Lori, how was your week? Uh, good. I, um, I'm in post on the TV show um, and I'm still writing, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> um, there's an animated component. So I'm writing that I'm doing edits on that. Um, 
And so I'm in that, which is great. Um, and it's less intense. I mean, in terms of, you know, I get to sleep till seven now. Um, yesterday was Saturday and I decided to take an entire full day off. And I don't think I've done that since late May, like taking a full day off. I mean, I did send one workish email. It was just a little one. It was something that was on my mind. So I sent it, but for the most part, I just watched, you know, I watched uh, Lost in Austin and, you know, Northanger Abbey. And I just did all the things that are cozy, delicious things for me. Um, my husband hung out with my daughter. So I was just alone in front of the TV uh, and it was great. And then this morning I woke up and I feel incredibly guilty about it. Like, oh my God, I wasted a whole day, which no, I did not no, no, because no, no, I no. really, I really needed that day. Um, and then, you know, the saw. yes, the saw. I really, really needed it. And I really needed to sleep and it's how I'm going to be able to focus to get through the next couple of months in post and, and be available for the show and what I need to do. And then all my, my new projects, I'm in development on another show. So we're, I'm working on that. Um, and you know, just a little bit on the side here and there. As things wind down with one, I'm starting the next one, you know, um, and yeah, just trying to figure out what's going to happen next, right? You know, I was so in it in production, like everything else just stops. Like when I crawl out of it, I'm like, do I have friends? Do I have a life? Hello, child, right? So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, it's August, I still need to work. Where am I going to do that? How am I going to make that happen? What are the choices I'm going to make in order to keep working? Which I think is a bit about what we're talking about yeah. on the theme today, sort of this idea of, you know, you get a job, hooray! And then what's next? <laughs> um, and as usual, I started talking about the show before we even started the show. And um, this idea that once you get hired as, you know, a staff writer or, you know, you sell a movie or you sell two movies that then the jobs just keep rolling in, but it is still a hustle. It's still a hustle every step of the way. Um, yeah. All that work you did to get your first gig was training for you to keep doing that. And, yes. you know, yeah, there's moments of course, in everyone's career where you get the people start sending you things. Yes. But, you know, you're getting sent things that quote unquote aren't set up where it has right. a producer, but it doesn't, it's not, it's a TV show that's not at a buyer or mm -hmm. it's at a buyer, but there's a huge personality attached. And that's just going to be a whole choice to, are you doing that with that personality or not? And you got to do your homework and who are they and how are they? And blah, 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 blah. You know, so it's still, even when you get to the sweet spot of people sending you things, there's still a tremendous amount of work and you still got to pitch. You still got to go yes. in and say, this is what I do for the show. And you got to pitch the whole, you know, you don't, nobody hands you anything like, nope. ever. like you still yeah. have to say, this is how I see it. This is how I do it. This is what's interesting to me. Here's the arc. Here's the show. Here's the engine. You know, you still got to do all that work. So the hustle uh, can change a little bit, but it's, you know, and still in terms of heart projects, you're still hustling the same way that yes. you've always hustled. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's all just building those muscles. It really is. So, you know, 
the, 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 you know, free work, you know, the prep to pitch on, you know, someone sends you a book or you meet a cool exec who has an open writing assignment or, you know, you connect with somebody and you guys come up with a great idea. It's still an incredible amount of you alone or with your partner working up the pitch. Like you said, Meg, like, what is this about? What is your take there? And I thought early in my career that if I got enough experience and someone would just hire me to write something because I'd proven it, right? Look at the things I'd worked on. Look at the work I've already done. That someone would be like, well, you're the right person. You come work on this. And I don't think that happens, <laughs> you know, very often. I think you have to be so established, but even still, you still have to pitch your take. You know, you, you still, still have, have to prepare. To make, they still have to make sure, which why wouldn't you, right? Like, they yeah. have to make sure you both want to do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the listen, inter- there are certain people, James yes. Gunn or whoever, that if they say, I want to do this, they can do it. I mean, there is yeah. a stratosphere. Yes. Um, but generally that's for writers, especially like those are writer directors, right? Um, yeah. yeah, you're always still doing the hustle. Hey, but we have a, another person on this call, on this show, uh, who's driving right now is he here <laughs> i am right here it's funny i am um, i need some advice from you laurian i'm trying to do the day off thing as well um and you know i'm likely going to be editing this feature i've already cut some scenes together and um it's funny I, it's not always great for directors to edit their own material just because like i'm going into post knowing every take that i want right like i decided on set what i like and i think it's nice to have an objective eye but it's funny because we're a micro budget. I'm essentially editing it just because that's what we can afford right now. Um, so it's just been interesting. I, I love editing. I um, before even I was working on this podcast, I, I was doing a ton of editing for commercials and promos. Um, so it's fun to be editing narrative. But I um, what I want to ask you, Lorian, is you mentioned um, like taking a day off and like taking time for yourself and like you know just watching TV. But what I'm finding right now is even when I try to take that time and I turn on the television, I can't turn my brain off. Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing the edits. I, I, I feel like it's just reminding me of the work I should be doing. So especially because you're show running right now, Lauren, and you're in post, do you have that at all? And like, do you have any advice as to just like how to watch something without entering like producer brain or seeing the edits? It took me about a week, right? We wrapped production yeah. on Monday and then I just had to get a lot of sleep. You know, one night, I think yeah. this, I went to bed at 10 and I didn't wake up the next morning until nine, right? I, I just had to get a lot of sleep. So I was still working during the day. It wasn't like we wrapped production and I could take this day off. I really had to get to a point where I felt like things were um, okay, right? That I didn't need yeah. to be super, super present like I could take a day off, like things are moving forward. Everybody's working. I've given all my notes. I know what I'm expecting. Um, uh, but I had to get all the rest first. I had to get to a point where I could take a day off because that's, I had to sort of earn right. it physically, mentally, and emotionally where I knew I wasn't going to freak out about, Oh my God, I have to do that thing. Um, and also it was a sort of survival mechanism too. You know, I had to, I have to figure out how to be present with my family, right? Um, even though my whole day yesterday was hiding from everybody, <laughs> but that helps me be available the rest of the time. Um, also, I think my age plays a part into it too. I'm just fucking tired, right? There just became a point where it was like, I can't 
functioning like this, right? I think when I was in yeah. my when I was younger, it was easier to just keep cranking, right? Um, but now I just, you know, my hip starts hurting, my back hurts, my feet hurt, you know, it's like, I can only do so much. Um, I mean, I'm only 27, so I don't know what I'm complaining about just being a fresh young 27 year old. I was just going to say like the extension of that question though, too, is like, I find though that like when I'm watching TV in the middle of a project, I, it's reminding me like, do you, are you able to turn your brain off when you're watching TV? No. Or do you see the, like, are you reminded of production in that way? I'm, I can't stop looking for structure and choices right. and flags, but in a way that's sort of like a um, mystery for me. I kind of like it. Like, are they going to pay that off? How okay. are they going to pay it off? Um, uh, it helps if I have a glass of wine, <laughs> I can turn that part of my brain. Yeah, I can help here a little bit. I can. And my cozy places are like Jane Austen or, you know, BBC period dramas or, you know, Anne of Green Gables, where I just know it so well. And I've read the book so many times that I can just sort of watch it unfold instead of worrying about Hmm. what's going to happen. Yeah, I like to watch when when I'm trying to de-stress my brain. First of all, it does take me two weeks to let all that go yeah and at at the end of two weeks I'm like oh what project right (laughs) um but it takes about two weeks and then um like when I was at Pixar writing and it was so intense the only thing that would work for me Jeff was home improvement shows or like (laughs) Heidi Klum whatever that runway show was where because it has nothing to do with storytelling Mm -hmm. so it has nothing to do with what you're doing and it starts with problems and challenges and then they're done. And look, there mm-hmm. it is. There's the new house. There's the room. There's the outfit. You win. Like, so yeah. it just finishes, like it completes, you know, and it's short. Um, so I find that's the best uh, brain candy for me when I can't get out of uh, stopping to think of things. That's brilliant. More reality TV stuff because it's yeah. just not going to trigger all your stuff. I mean, of course, there's writers doing reality TV and that's all made up. But I'm just saying in terms of the triggers, yes. it's not going to. Yeah. And mine is just full that's- North Anchor Abbey, like the silliest Jane Austen I could find. Let's watch a gothic Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> that's really brilliant. Yeah, I think um, it's great British Bake Off for me. I'm realizing that's what I need. Yeah, just yeah. watch something like that. And like when I went to Ireland to work on this Netflix animated movie, it was so intense that I watched, I think, four seasons of the Great British Bake Off show. I just watched like three in a row every night um, because it really did help. It engage you and relax you and it's fun. And look, there, there is somebody who won or there, you know, it finishes. So they made a pudding. Um, you made a pudding and you know but it's still creative and people are still like having puddings fall and cakes fall on the floor so you don't feel like such a doofus either right (laughs) because it's just life and the human condition unfolding but it's about a pudding so yeah i think because um because i've been like traveling and still like kind of rapping i'm i'm sort of in that like half work mode half reestablishing life mode and it's i think it can be hard to work when you feel like you're not all in on it like when your brain's being pulled in five directions and candidly the thing i'm driving back from i was telling jess i'm a best man in a wedding like uh, soon so i'm driving back from bachelor party and um there was that too so i think like the short answer is i'm just really excited because i think this week i can actually 
dive in and be fully there. It's very hard to work creatively and productively if you're if your brain's in a lot of places. So I think like that was kind of how my week was, just like very much halfway in, halfway out. And now I feel like I can fully dive in. So I'm excited about it. Cool. Awesome. And what about and you know, let's hear from our intern Jess. How was how was your week and what do you do to relax? I actually do reality TV as well. Um, I've been doing some very uh, trashy reality TV though, and it's um, it's gotten a little bit draining. So I think I need to find something just because of you know there's that emotional side that people go through, and it's quite heightened in that space. And so you know I get very uh, I've started to get overwhelmed by reality TV, which is just perfect. Um, but other than that, my week uh, has been filled with pre-production on my short film. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I think, something I've started to value a lot more because I'm st- I am still doing, like, revised drafts of the script just after we do, like, table reads or sometimes the actors will have ideas that I do want to include. And um, I don't know if maybe every other writer is already onto this, but I haven't been... I've started to value those quiet moments in the script a lot more where, you know, I've started to realise my protagonist, she doesn't always need to respond, especially like I have such a lovely actress working on this with me and I know that there's so much in just her performance and, you know, in the face and in that feeling that can come across with silence. Um, so I've started to lean into that a lot more Um and that's been really fun. And I've been thinking about something Jeff actually said last week about, you know, if you're if you're writing these scripts, like don't be afraid to kind of launch yourself into the directing space as well, especially if it's your own and it's the first time and it's, you know, an indie. Um, and I have been struggling with that, though, because I have directed a couple of my own shorts, but for this script I just I've been struggling to visualize anything and for me I just I can't connect if I'm not visualizing or hearing uh, what's on the page and thankfully after I got some really nice notes back from a good friend uh, it just all started to click and I started to see things and I moved away from my very good friend Doubt uh, (laughs) because I cozy up to her a lot um, and that's been my week. So, you know, lots of ups and downs as per usual. I think that's awesome, Jeff. And I'm so glad that you're, um, taking that bull by the horns and doing it and telling doubt to go sit in the corner for a little while. And I agree about silence. It's super hard as a writer because you do have to communicate to the actor what they need to do. Um, and animation often, I feel like I'm writing for the animators and the storyboard artists so that then we can cut this piece of dialogue. Um, so, but, you know, sometimes, you know, people, editors are like, well, writers don't like you to cut their dialogue. And I'm like, no, if I'm doing it right, you should be able to cut my dialogue because yes. everybody knows what's going, like, the, you know, the less, the better for me, for me, not all people. Like, obviously um, there's amazing writers that dialogue is like music. Um, but I'm just talking about for me, I, I, I you definitely do want your actor. Uh, yes. I have a I have a red pen I call Stabby, and my favorite thing is to bring Stabby out and cut dialogue if we don't need it. Right, that I'm after the emotional moment or the story beat far more than the words that 
are there. Um, but Stabby and I are now best friends. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Stabby. I don't know where Stabby is. Here's Stabby's cousin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to our topic. Let's start with getting the staffing call and or selling your first script and what that looks like. Um, you know, that can come in many different ways. Um, I'll, I'll talk about features, you know, Lauren, if you want to talk about the TV or other way. Um, often those first ones kind of come out of the blue, meaning you've done all this work and you've done it and you've gotten passed on for other things and you never know which one is going to be the one. Like I literally was in a pitch once and I came out and I told my, my manager, well, they hated it. They said nothing. They looked so bored. Like, let's just move on. And then they bought it like within a couple of hours, like you never know what the yes is going to come from. I'm just promise you that you cannot tell. Um, but you, you know, you, you, you're going to get that. Yes. And it's, you should go out and celebrate. You should go have champagne. You should thoroughly enjoy it. You should call up all your friends and your parents and whoever, because that is the good stuff. Like those couple of days before you start the job and you got the job, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> like, so yes. please enjoy it when it happens and don't start worrying like immediately because you have to enjoy the good stuff. Um, and that really is raise the champagne in my opinion. Um, and then in features, you're going to immediately um, have your first meeting, right? You're going to immediately start, okay, what are the next steps? And is doing the deal can take months and months and months. Like you might not start writing for three months or more because they're doing the deal. Um, I really suggest not starting writing until the deal is done for writers because often, I mean, occasionally the deal doesn't get done, but um, obviously if it's one of your first ones, it's going to get done because you're not, you know, making a million bucks or whatever. But, um, and then, uh, you're going to start getting, you're going to go into the meetings of what's next. Did you, is your deal an outline, right? Uh, first, um, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes they're going to want you to do an outline, even if it isn't to the producers. Um, the best deal to me is if you've already got a director on, odds are you won't. Um, so you just enjoy it and then jump in the water and you just, you might have a little freeze there, right? Because between the deal and getting in the water, you can freeze because <laughs> now you have to actualize it or you sold the script, but here come the notes and you just got a pile of notes and you might be like, um, you bought this, but do you like it? Like why look at these notes? These are, wow, you want to change a lot, right? I mean, I hope whoever you sold it to, you've already had conversations about what it is and what you like and what they like and why you're selling it to them. Um, so that you're on the same page before you sold it to them, but oftentimes you're not. Um, and then you, and then you start the lava process, uh, with, uh, with partners, which is super fun. <laughs> totally. I find the celebrating part hard because, um, I've had, I've, uh, been in the middle of negotiations before and the deal falls apart. Right. So it's like, I sold a feature and then pfft, nope, I did not sell a feature. Right. Or um, I've had um, the part where, you know, I've pitched a show and then you hear so-and-so is interested. So then I'm like trying to decide what does interested mean? Does that mean they want to buy it? 
And then you have to wait. Okay. Then we wait for the offer to come. When is the offer coming? When is, okay. The offer came. Right. And then, okay. Is that when I sold the show? No. Now I have to wait for the deal to close. Okay. One time that took six months for the deal to close before we got commenced to write the pilot. Right. So it's like, when is the part where I get to tell all my friends I sold a show, right? It's just, uh, it's tricky for me because I don't quite understand, like, do I sell a show when somebody's interested? Do I sell the show when I'm- No, you sell the show when the deal closes. When the deal closes, right? So that took six months, (laughs) right? And, you know, you got to wait till you get the commencement call where you get kicked off on what the next step is, right? So um, it's a little, I- it's a little, and then, you know, then I go right into the like, oh God, I hope we get greenlit, right? It's always like this next step. So I am a big champion of, yes, you should celebrate. Absolutely. But I have a hard time doing that for myself because I'm sort of afraid of that big black boot that's going to come falling out of the sky and kick me in the head, which no one wants to hear. This is supposed to be like a inspirational, yay, you sold the show or yay, you sold your feature. But I think experience has taught me to be wary, Right. Um, most of the time I don't trust it until I get that first amount of money in my bank account, right? When I get that money in my bank account, I'm like, I got paid. It's real. It's really, really happening. That's when I celebrate by not spending it. (laughs) Well, and you know, then you move into who you're partnered with, i.e. the producer or the executive and you got paid. So now they own it for however long the option is which is always a bit of, can be, not always, but can be a bit of a cold bath when you realize, yes, you sold it. Um, uh, And that takes a whole other level of skill set to really hear the notes and what they're saying and how deeply they mean that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've been going through that a little bit in terms of, oh, like you meant that literally, like that's just, that's not a suggestion. Like that's, that's what you want. Okay. Um, or, uh, and that's okay because that it is a back and forth. You should ask a lot of questions. Um, I, my very first gig of getting paid as a writer, um, the tone that they wanted, I was totally wrong. And I mean, that's like huge. That's like huge tone is a huge thing, right? I should have asked the executive at the studio, can you name some movies that are in the same bucket of tone that you're hoping this is? Because I thought he wanted something kind of realistic with bits of humor and he wanted pretty broad humor with bits of reality. Right. And so that's an immediate, like they're not even going to give you notes because the tone is so off. They're like, what is this? Um, I was a bit of a dog with a bone and then they went back in and pitched a whole new version because why not your second step? They're paying you a dollar anyways. I think that speaks to this idea that like, as a writer, you're going to write, what you're going to write is like the thing. This is the one, right? It's like, you're going to sell a show or a movie. You're going to work partners. It's going to morph. You're going to write another one and another one and another one, right? That it's not just the one, right? So you have to be able to, like you said, Meg, have that skill set of like letting know how to fight for the thing, letting know how to figure out, you know, they own it now, how to serve right, you that. You decide what hill you're dying on too. Yes. Because if you're fighting yes. over something that ultimately, A, you're not going to win or B, it's not super important to you. It's not a top three thing. Yes. Or it's not a base core concept thing. 
you got to really, you can't just fight, 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 fight. They're going to get right. exhausted and be like, okay, next writer. They, they bought the IP. They bought the idea, right? They bought you to execute it. But if you can't or you won't. Goodbye. They're going to move on. Yes. So again, I'm not at all saying you do things just to please them. That doesn't work either. Because then nope. they're like, hey, give me the money. Because then I'm writing it. They right. want you to be the writer who's taking the problem they have with the script, the insights they have with the script or what widget they want and fuse it all together with the story math that you understand and the execution that you get that elevates and fixes and um, inspires and makes them so excited because you came to that scene, that arc, that story math, that is your job as the writer, especially over in features. Um, so, and that is just alone time beating your head against the wall, like I said. And, I, you know, I like having a very open relationship with the producers. If your director's too busy, then it's just going to be with the producer. Or you're going back and forth, where literally you're sending like a three-page, okay, here's her arc. Here's how we would rearrange everything, blah, 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 blah. Does that work? No. Well, that works and that works, but that doesn't work. Okay, well, right? Uh, explosion. And back you go again. Because I, for me, this is just for me. When it's going into the buyers, into the studios, I want them to be excited. I want the producers to be excited about it. I don't want a script to go in that the producers are like, yeah, you know, we've got a lot of notes, but that's just a hard thing to, uh, yeah. to come back from in terms of getting the next gig or getting the next step or going forward. I mean, sometimes that happens because the IP itself has a crack in the middle of it and you just figured that out and now you need the studio to come in because you're like, you know that thing you want? Well, there's a giant crack in the middle of it. <laughs> um, so you do have to bring them in, but as long as the producer's with you on board, like she, he, they've done all this work with them all, you know, in terms of, again, I'm not talking about WGA steps here. I'm talking about the churn, the writer, the producer has been in the churn a little bit with us so that they're going in as your champion with to that studio. Here's where we are, right? Um, so yeah. that's kind of how I approach it. I think everybody approaches things differently. I know writers, I was talking to a, a writer friend of mine, um, who was working on a I, piece of IP. She was hired to write it. And I think she did something like eight versions and that's now abusive, right? That's now like, okay, you have to just say, I need to go into the studio. I have to get notes from, because you can also get in the situation where <laughs> the producer's wrong, <laughs> Right. And the studio wanted something else. I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen, but that can happen. So what I'm talking about, you can't do that in, you know, forever. At some point you have to get feedback from the studio. Um, so it's always a balancing act. It's always a balancing act. Yeah. You've got to use your gut. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. Sometimes you're going to call it wrong. You know, it's also the balancing act between what the producers and studio are looking for in terms of what they've bought and what widget they want and what, you know, how they're going to sell it, all of that external outside in thinking and also your lava because mm -hmm. they, you have to have both sides of that. That's why, you know, for the emerging writers, when we're saying write many, many drafts, these, this is the skill set you have to get up and at your toolbox and your skill set of, st of the story has to be such that, you can go into this higher math of balancing. Well, he really wants this kind of action sequence here, but what does that have to do with her character? And it actually changes the thematic point. Mm -hmm. But that was what I emotionally cared about. And now I'm realizing 
he actually cares about something completely different, that his lava, what, he, what he's drawn to, and it's not like anybody's doing this on purpose. You just don't know it until you get in it and you're talking about it enough and executing it enough to figure out, oh, wait, this mm-hmm. is what excites you, this thing. And then I'm like, well, can I get excited about that? Like, what's my door <laughs> into that emotionally in terms of my own, am I the person to write that? Do I care about that emotional topic? Um you know, once I was working on something and they changed it right in the middle, they're like, let's just make him a man child. Instead of this 16 year old, let's just make him 25 and he's a man child. And in my head, I'm like, what? (laughs) I can't write that. Like I'm the last person who should write a man child character. I literally was like, oh no. And I did all my arguing about why we should not do that. But, you know, from a kind of supportive, you know, from the story point of view, not from my ego, but from the story. But, you know, this was literally the head of the studio. And he was like, nope, I think it should be a man child. And I was like, well, I'm going to get fired because I cannot write this. I mean, I did my best. Mm -hmm. I did my best. Um, And I'm so lucky that another huge executive came in to talk about the treatment of the man child. And he was like, what are you doing? This (laughs) Like, why are we making you a man child? And you no, can never like, say, please. you can never say in that moment, he told me to. No, you can right? never, you can way, never say that. The head of the studio doesn't even remember that they told you to because That's they're right. so busy. Mm-hmm. They don't even remember that they told right. you to change the whole thing. So you've got to take the hit yep. that you change it to a man child. I will admit after this meeting, I did go to the bathroom and just like have a slight meltdown because I, <laughs> I had to take the hit. I had to be like, yeah, I don't, you know what? You're totally right, big second executive. You should not be doing this for all the reasons that you said that I actually said like four weeks ago. But right. you can never okay. say I told you so. No, nope. oh my God. No, it's nope. part of your job. It's part yeah. of your job. It's like, okay, get to the story. What's important here? What's important here is the story. That is what's important. Yeah. It just got back. On it's track. A, it is. A, and we can both talk about this forever and ever, but it is like, you have, you have to learn it for yourself. You kind of have to like stumble through, take good advice from people you trust, fuck up, move on, like learn like everything. And then there's another piece of this, like getting staffed on a TV show and being a staff writer is a whole other skill set. And so we are going to have an experienced TV writer on the show to ask all those questions. Like when you get the first job and then how do you get the second job? And then how do you leverage that to, you know, keep working and what that's like? Because I can't speak to that. Um, Meg, you've been on a TV writing staff, so you can speak to that a little bit. But um I think, yeah, when... I, mean, I think it's that that's a ladder, which I actually think is better. And in, in terms of there's a ladder, you go up in, 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 um, getting your, you know, now you're a staff writer, executive VP, mm-hmm. like you go up a ladder. There's a, there's something to follow uh, mm-hmm. there um, versus features. There's not as much. Um, yeah. so I think that that's when I'm, I'm looking forward to him uh, talking uh, us through yeah. that. Um, so you're going to fall on your face in some meetings and some meetings, the emotions are going to come up. It, it happens to me. I should, I, why am I saying that to this executive in that tone? Because it's, he's now defensive and I'm like, shit, but it just, right. because I'm emotional. And then later I'm like, okay, I got really emotional about that because I'm very passionate about the story. And I just rah, 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 rah. And you know, they're, they laugh and they're fine because they want you to be passionate about it. But you are right. going to, you know, I remember once I was at the head of a studio and, um, 
I just thought her note was not good, honestly. And I was like, I, I, this is a danger zone, danger Will Robinson, because you're gonna have to write that. And by the way, again, they're not gonna remember. And I was like, you know, can we just take a step back here and say, if this was a male character, would that be what she'd be doing? Is that what we'd be concerned about? And she just blinked like, what? And I was like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> because it's kind of shaming her or calling her out in front of all these executives. Uh, you know, yep. I, I took a yep. shot, right? And thank God she was a big enough person to go, you know, you're right. That You're totally right. I, I would not be asking that question because I sometimes like, if this was Tom Cruise, would we be, is that what we'd be saying? Um, it's such a hard dance. It's, it's such a hard dance because when you're a writer, you sort of put your whole self into the story and then you have to play this sort of role, getting notes that is different. It's just a it's tricky. And it's like you said earlier, Meg, it's about, you have to like put your ego aside, you know, which is, I think it's hard. It's hard. And I think it's hard to get caught because they spend so much time defending what they have, but that is not where anybody mm-hmm. is right now. They have already moved past what you have. And they're looking as Ron Nicewander says to what's next. They're like, where are we going? How are we going to fix this? This doesn't work. That works. That doesn't keep that. I love that scene. But, you know, overall, let's look at her arc or whatever. And you have to, I keep saying, let's go back to the engine. If you're just defending what you have, eventually, where are we going? Like, that's just going to, that's not, you really have to go back. And I would I suggest come back with a new take, right? Which includes what they like, but what's the new take? Um, and that's just. And again, this is all just on one project right this is just one project right so then that project ends you either get fired or the movie gets made or the tv show you know whatever happens and then you have to get the next job and the goal is don't burn bridges yeah. right don't burn bridges so like that is a bit so that you can get hired again and i'm not saying if you're a woman don't be quote difficult don't be passionate don't you know, dig in like Meg, you're talking like you want to look at it from a story point of view and not an ego point of view, but like you kind of do need to be somebody that they want to work with again and that they will recommend. It is a job. It is not just this sort of, I get to write whatever I want and say and act however I want because I'm the architect of the create, I'm the creative genius here. It's like, no, 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 this is a job and you have to work hard at it in order to get the next one. It is the reality of being in the industry. Yeah, you want those executives saying she's really great to work with. You know, this one didn't work out, but it's not from lack of her effort and her skill and her talent uh, because they will call around. You really do want to have that reputation of you. You work hard for the story, right? And again, that might mean every once in a while you pick a hill you're going to die on. You might die, but you pick a hill, right? Uh, you would be sure what you're picking and why you're picking it and that you can yeah. tell them why you're picking it. Um, but you know, and it is you're kind of hard when you're tired. It's hard when you're tired and you're sort of, you know, in stressful situations and you have to make choices in the moment when perhaps like your less tired self wouldn't have reacted that way. Right. Because nobody's perfect. But well, you do have to figure out how to recover. Like, I don't know how to do this. I do not in my head. I'm like, I don't know how to do what you're asking. And you just have to have faith that if you have enough time and you get alone in a room and you write enough puke drafts that it's going to come up. You, <laughs> sometimes it's just me talking it out loud, either to my writing partner mm-hmm. or to somebody else. That You just have to have faith and let that doubt and that 
panic of, I can't do this. I suck. Or, you know, if this was some other writer, they'd know what to do right here or all that malarkey that kind of pours into your brain outside. You should just be like, huh, let me think about that. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's an interesting idea. Let me think about because that. inside you can be having a complete meltdown, but outside you're just like, yes, go, go think about it on your own. Don't do that in the meeting right now. Right. Or do, or like say, and it's, here's what it's, I don't get about that and start asking your questions and ask questions until you do get it right and so it's hard to resist style I know it is hard to resist it's going to be your own style yeah how you interact with people but if you you know my best piece of advice is if you keep it on the story and you're talking about the story um that's always going to um because that's what everybody's there for whether they say it or not yes every job is about getting the next job getting the next job because it is a fantasy what we do and it's fun and amazing and we create worlds and people and stories but it's a job you know, you know and I, you, you know and because it, we're freelance you know what i find so strange about the experience of writing is you take ip you know whatever a book a comic book or whatever uh, or you take nothing and it's your original idea and then you hand them a script and then it's as if it always existed mm-hmm. and you didn't do it. I can't explain it. It's literally like, well, she, if mm-hmm. you do it right, <laughs> it, it starts to exist outside of you and they all take ownership of it immediately. Right. Yep. As if, well, and then you just have yep. to let, let now it's a whole other ego level of letting go. Like she, she doesn't belong to you anymore because you did it right. So now she belongs to them. And they're saying, well, she wouldn't do that. And you're thinking, well, I actually created her. So <laughs> I can tell you that she might. Doesn't matter. It, like that, It is now not that thing in your head anymore. It is this thing that exists now between all of you, between the studio executive, between the producer, the director, and you. This thing that you've created out of your guts, they now are, own it. It's a really mind-bending things sometimes you can have mind-bending moments where I was on I literally listened to storyboard artists once argue over something and I'm like do you want to ask me because I wrote it so uh, (laughs) but it's just again you have to take it as a compliment (laughs) right because it's they're walking talking people now and out in the world so that's that's the kind of irony of doing your job well yeah. Um, is you create something that then other people come in and, and it's its own thing. Uh, just super quick, like, this. first of all, this is so valuable. Like, I just think this is such an important conversation. And, like, I, I would love to know, you know, that balancing act between being a team player but also knowing that you were literally hired to occasionally defend something that you know is what's going to be best for the story. Do you have a barometer for, like, like, I know I need to die on this hill. Like, when you're getting notes, like, you know there are some notes that you can take or some notes you can move on from, but, like, is it something in your gut that you feel? Is it something that you've thought about where you know you have to stand up for the story? For me, it's always about the story math, and I say math meaning, so let's use inside out. I was dying on the hill over and over and over that they wanted to cut the scene with her sitting down, her mom sitting down on her sleeping bag and saying, thank you for being our happy girl. Because there was a concern that nobody would like the mom or whatever. Like it just kept coming up on the chopping block. And every time I would die on that hill because I would be like, you cannot cut it. It's not about me. It's not about my ego. It's not about because I love the scene. It's not because I love the dialogue. It's because it is Joy's 
license and her motivation for her whole journey. So if you take it out, we are going to get the note, nobody likes joy. Like it is, it, it was a pivot stone. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's so, it's a pillar under the story that I understand it's a pillar. And if you want to change that pillar and you're the director, you can change it, but know it's a pillar. And so let's talk about that. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes you get in those conversations, but uh, for me, what I'm gonna, the hill I'm going to die on is because the whole freaking thing's going to fall down if we start mucking with that. Um, so if we're changing it, how are we changing it? And what does that mean? Uh, that's how I do it. That's true. I think the lesson there that's so wise is um, like you always want to contextualize notes for the story, right? Like if you're to be a great team player and build something with the team, if you're feeling defensive or your ego's being challenged, if you can position it back in the context of the whole thing, the whole story, the whole project, everyone is seeing that you all have the same goal, right? It's not about you. It's not about your personal opinions. It's about making sure that everyone is seeing that this thing we're creating together needs to be the best thing it can possibly be. So I think that's really wise, Meg. There's also a very complicated human element is that a writer can set their ego aside and fight for the story, but that doesn't mean everyone else is, right? Everyone else is coming into that space with their very own goals, agendas, um, their version of the story, right? So you also have to be very aware. You have to read the room, right? Sometimes the hill you want to die on, you have a really good defensive, but you have to make a choice. You know, um, it's just, it's a very complicated world that everyone is there. You hope for the right reasons. You hope for the similar reasons that you are, you know, like Pixar was at its very, very best when everybody was behind the director and, and, you know, like we're making this story, like everybody was in service of that vision and it just felt like it was this great thing. And then, you know, sometimes it doesn't always feel like that, you know, and you have to be careful. <laughs> you can get contradictory notes in a meeting. I was in a meeting where mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, the movie star wants that, the head of the studio wants that, and the producer just pitched that. And they all think it's the same, but I, as a story person, I'm like, that is not the same. And you have to suss out right. just by your gut, or if you have a great manager or agent, they can help you suss out who's the power in the room. Sometimes it's yep. the actor, sometimes it's the head of the studio, and sometimes it's the director, right? You, you have to go... Usually it's the head of the studio, but if it's a big enough actor and that's why it got greenlit, eh, it's probably the actor or the big director and the studio will go with what that director says. You have to suss out, okay, I'm going for that guy. I think he is the bottom line, right? So that's the note I'm taking, right? And sometimes you're wrong, <laughs> but you, yep. you know, again, sometimes you can be brave and say, I, I, I think those are three different things, but it depends what kind of meeting you're in. And those people are busy and they don't necessarily want to have a spitball situation. Yes. So, you know, that's why you and have- all of this it. sounds very, very scary. And it is it's doubtful that your very first time will be like this. This is like, you learn these skills as you go, right? You're, you're very rarely going to be, you sold a movie and then you're thrown just in the deep end by yourself, right? That you're hopefully going to be learning these skills with a, a manager or an agent or other writer friends, or you have, you have this community to build up, to, to lean on, to call. I mean, Meg, when I was first getting started, I would call you and I'd be like, this is what a person said 
please translate this for me. What does this mean? Right. And it would be like, oh, well, they really mean this or they're saying this, you know, so that's what's so important about having a community around you, having safe places to go ask these questions so that you're not, you know, doing it in the meeting. Um, and this is, you know, I'm still learning. I think we're all still learning, you know, every sort of new room you're in, every sort of new opportunity you get is an opportunity to, to figure it out. And, you know, like Meg always says, the, the longer you stick around, the more you have a chance of, you know, getting the next job. <laughs> it's, you know, when it gets too hard and the people totally who quit right. are the ones that aren't going to keep. Yeah. You're not going to get up to this level like that fast. It, that's why you're going to do smaller things first. And that's why you're going to get you're mm-hmm. gonna sell something and then you're going to get fired because they're moving too fast. They're moving up the chain. That's fine. That's normal. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. You have to do your building blocks underneath you so that when you get in the room with that huge actor, you're ready. Well, you're never going to feel ready, but you are ready because you've already <laughs> been in enough rooms, right? You've already, you've already right. seen this, done this. So that is part of the process of, that's why when we say write 15 drafts or take those meetings, do the thing. We're just trying to get your skill set up because the only way to get that skill set up is to yeah. do it. That's the only way. It's just to be in yeah. those rooms and get yourself um, uh, up to the next round. But it is also really exciting, right? To be confronted with these problems, right? Like, ooh, is it the actor, is it the director, is it the producer? And then you have to sort of stop and be like, oh my God, this is an exciting opportunity to figure out what the hell I'm doing. You know, like I'm doing it. I'm being a paid writer, you know? So it is exciting. It's also terrifying. Um, but, you know, I think the the big headline is, making it, you know, getting a manager, I think, is about having someone that you trust and support to help you navigate. But this manager helps you get read and helping you get read is what helps you get meetings, which can help you make connections, which can help you get, you know, opportunities, you know, so it's each step along the way is building up a potential career that there that I don't quite know until you get to that stratosphere. You're, we're always hustling. We're always trying to get the next job so yeah it's a it's a fun gamble (laughs) with our lives right i'm not stressed you're stressed (laughs) well everybody thanks for tuning in if you haven't yet make sure you join our facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life also drop us a review on apple Podcasts. Uh, we appreciate every single one because they really help us reach even more screenwriters just like you and remember keep writing and you are not alone thanks for tuning in to the screenwriting life we love our community and we want to get to know you even better join our facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.